Let's get down to today's word. And, uh, you know, I, I really struggled. I must say, it is, you know, I, I love to, to preach something which is alive in my spirit. I don't like to be forced into doing something. And, uh, you know, this month we're not having a series. Every, every Sunday will be a, a message on its own. And with everything happening this week, I really struggled. I said, Lord, what do I tell the church? Not everybody has gone through what some people have gone through. And yet it has touched so many of us, the events of this week. Like in one week, so much stuff happening. And in, in recent days, and many of you have been touched by that. And I thought, God, you know, what do I do? I want to bring some nice, fancy, feel-good message, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And eventually, I just settled in the following. You know, I've got to bring some truth to the church. And there are some things that we only speak about in funerals, which is kind of, kind of crazy, isn't it? Because, yeah, it's true that some people never go to church except at a wedding and at a funeral. And we kind of try and get them there. But it's also true that as believers, we need to be tuned into God's Word. We heard last week as we spoke about heaven, uh, you know, and, and, and what a wonderful teaching it was. Some of you gave me feedback, and it was so timely. Even this week, I could share with some people that are not from our church that I was kind of comforting and helping. We could refer back the teaching, show them that, and help them to be encouraged. But it's so good to know that heaven is real, and, and it's, it's a wonderful place and gives you comfort and encouragement. And Colossians says, we must think of things of heaven. We must think about heaven, think of things above where Christ is. So although we live on this plane, although we live on the earth, we must think and be aware all the time that this is not all that there is. This is not the fullness of life. This is the beginning of life. Remember when you were born? Oh, you don't. I remember clearly that there was, no, I don't. <laughs> but I, I, I do know one thing, and, and I think your mommies will remind you of that. The day you were born, you cried like crazy, man. I mean, all you knew for nine months was this cozy universe. You're floating over there. You've got everything you need. You can stretch and you can kick and, and the food is there and you are so happy. And then one day they push you out into this unknown universe. And you go, ah! <laughs> and yet it was in this universe, the present universe, that you could grow to your full potential. And so now you're comfortable. This is it. Oh, I know. Now I can stretch and I can breathe and I can exercise. But wait, 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 wait. This is not the end of the story yet. There is another universe. There is another realm where you can grow even more and become even more. And that is called heaven in the presence of God where there is no limits, no limitations. In this plane, in this realm, in this earth, there are limitations. Sin is here. And corruption is here. And death is here. And so much that holds us back. And that's what the Bible says. Think of things above. And yet you're so caught up in our own little selfish universe trying to make ends meet and trying to survive that we forget that this is not the end of everything. Amen. Amen. And so today, I want to I expand a bit. Often in, in funerals, I, I make a very quick mention of these four truths, but I'm going to just elaborate a bit. I want us to, to be aware of it. As believers, become aware of this. Last week, we spoke about heaven. Today, I want to speak about four truths of life. And when I, wait, and now listen, <laughs> truth is truth, okay? You've heard yeah, in the past, we've mentioned that we live in a day where truth has become relative, People speak about your truth and my truth, <laughs> okay? 
what is right for me might not be right for you. And, and, and so we try to define. And people today are redefining everything. From, ma- from marriage to gender to everything, they want to have their own truth. And they say, it's okay if you believe this way, but that is your truth. My truth is different. Guys, truth is truth. Because truth is absolute. Listen, how many of you can guess? I'm right on the edge of this platform now. If I give one more step, which way am I going to go? No, no, that's your truth. That's your truth. Because I believe, I really believe that I can walk straight on. I can step out and I can continue walking. Thank you. Prove it. You see, truth is absolute. I don't care how much I believe. I don't care if I'm a faithful Christian, a faithful Muslim, or an atheist. Whoever steps out of this thing, no matter your faith, your color, your creed, your gender, your nationality, your language, your tongue, your background, you step off here, you're going to go down, man. <laughs> because that's, <laughs> that's the absolute truth. And what I'm going to share with you today are four truths. They are absolute. They work everywhere on the planet, no matter who you are, no matter what you believe. And some of the things I'm going to mention, some people have opinions about it. But truth is truth. Got it? So here we go. Truth number one. Life is short. Okay? Life is short. Really, Pastor? Well, listen. In over 35 years of ministry, I've done a fair number of funerals of all different ages. Children, older children, youth, young people, young adults, older adults, older people, very old people. Um, and you know what? No matter the age of the person that is being you know, celebrated, is life celebrating. First of all, that person, if they could, they'd like to live a little longer. And the family always wishes they had lived a little bit longer. I know it's true. Sometimes people say, oh, you're suffering so much. Maybe it's a good thing that you went. But if we could have it our way, he would be healthy and live longer. Why is that? Because we believe that life is short. I don't care how long you live. Life is short. Life is very, very short. There is always a sense, a desire in those left behind that the person could have lived longer. And there is something in humanity, there is something in all of us that tells us that we should live a long life. In fact, there's something in us that tells us we should not have to die. That is why today there is scientific research being done to extend people's lives. Studies on longevity. I remember when I was, you know, still working at the CSR in in the 90s, we used to get these scientific magazines and I, I, I would read there and the scientists now declared that the human body, there's no reason why the human body can't live to be 70 years. Some months later, oh, scientists say now the body, there's no reason why we should not be able to live until 90 years old. Some months later, oh, the Santa says the body should be able to live to 100 years old. And then the latest I got is we should be able to live to be 120 years old. And in fact, today, science says there is no reason that under normal circumstances, a human body shouldn't live to be about 120, 125. Well, what does the Bible say? <laughs> okay, let's, let's talk about that quickly. The Bible says, first of all, 
that God has put eternity in man's heart. In Ecclesiastes 3, 11. God has put eternity in man's heart. Remember, in the beginning when God made man, man was supposed to live forever with God. We're not supposed to die. What happened? Sin entered the world. And sin brought death. Remember the first man, Adam. It took him a long time to die, man. The Bible says that God told them, the day you sin, you will die. And people say, you see, there's something wrong with the Bible because Adam sinned and he didn't die that day. Wait, the Bible always explains itself. The Bible says that to God, one day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years like one day. Adam didn't make it to a thousand years. He only lived 900 and something, only. So God was right. The day he sinned, he died. And as sin increased its grip on humanity, life became shorter and shorter and shorter. And so Moses comes along, and in the book of Psalms, Psalm 90 verse 10, he says, the days of our lives shall be 70 years old. And many people today say, oh, the Bible says we shall live 70 years. That's, that's a, whatever is over that, oh, it's tiring, it's boring, it's horrible. Nyaki, 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 nyaki. However, Moses, who said we will live until it be 70, guess how old he was when he died? 120. Well, before Moses said that we shall live for 70 years, God has said in Deuteronomy that the, our days man should live to be 120. God said man's days shall be 120. As sin expanded, as man destroyed himself, as man destroyed nature, we found the longevity of man coming down. You go back to the 1800s, if you lived to be 40, 48, you were an old man. Or old woman. Today, longevity is increasing. People are living longer than expected. Our well, average today is over 90. They expect very soon it will be 110. In fact, insurance companies are right now putting things together because they know that the coming generation is probably going to average 110 years. And they're in trouble because a lot of people sign policies and they say, oh, this guy's going to retire at 60, by 70 he'll be dead. <laughs> and the guy is 90 and he's still alive. And they're paying this guy, man. They're paying this guy. So they're trying to sort some things out. Because, you see, God said our days should be 120. We are getting back to where God wants us to be. And if we look after ourselves, if the grace of God is upon us, there's no reason why naturally we should live to be 120. That's what God said. And that's what Moses lived. So why does he say it shall be 70 and that's it? Think of Moses. From 80 years to 120, Moses had to put up with a million Jews dragging behind him, complaining, making his life miserable. No matter what he did, they complained. If you had to put up with a million Jews for 40 years, you would, you would also say, God, take me out of here. Take me back to 70 and get me out of here, man. But you see, that is the limit. The fact is God has put a limit on life. And even 120 years, Compared to eternity or compared to the history of the earth. They say that the earth is about 4,500 billion years. Our history goes back maybe 10,000 years that you are recorded history. 
And so if we compare 120 years with that, it's very short. And, and when people have less than that, it is extremely short. So guys, no matter which way you look at it, no matter how long you live, life is short. And James, the half-brother of Jesus, he said, whereas you know that, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, what is your life? It is but a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. The Bible says our lives are like a vapor. It comes and it's gone. When I was a, a young man, as a child, well, teenager, I, I once heard a preacher saying the following. He was talking, he says, you know what? It, it takes, it, children want to grow up. And they want to hit 18. You know why 18? Because you get your driver's license, right? And so they said, kids want to grow and they want to be 18. And it takes forever to be 18. But then he said, but from 18 to 40, it's in the twinkle of an eye, in the blink of an eye. You go from 18 to 40. I was 13 in church. I don't know if I was 12 or 13. I don't know. I was, I was young. I heard that and I made a note of that. And Vrachtis, it took me a long time to get to 18. I couldn't wait. I mean, I had my 18th birthday. The next day, I'm taking my driver's license, you know. When I turned 40, I remembered about that again. And I realized, what happened? It took me forever to get to 18. But from 18 to 14, it was just like that. You turn 18, you, 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 you finish your studies, you start a career, you're getting married, you're getting a family, da, 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 and next thing you know, boom, you're hitting 40. Those of you who are there know what I'm talking about. My problem is, 40 is a long time ago right now. <laughs> and it still seems so quickly, so brief. What's happening with time? What has happened to 2019? Did you guys hear about it? I remember when I was a child, a year had full 12 months. It took time between one Christmas and the next. This year has hardly started. We're we about to eat Christmas again. We better get the ingredients for the Christmas puddings and so on. Otherwise, life is short, guys. Life flies by. So we need to treasure every moment. And so because life is short, the second truth follows. The second truth is this. Death is a certainty. I've just been checking the statistics again. And the death rate is still 100%. Yeah. Death is a certainty. I don't care where you live in the planet. I don't care what you believe in. I don't care how many God or gods you've got in yourself. <laughs> death is a certainty. Okay. If you live long enough, you will die. The Bible makes it very clear that death is part of this present age. Ecclesiastes 3. You know the verse, everything is a season. There's a, a, a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. The problem is, there's a time to be born. And we all know, all of you know that the time to be born. You know, you've got a birthday, you know that's when you're born. Then there's a little dash. And then there's a time of death. Nobody knows how long that little dash is. The maximum is at about 120. But it can be shorter. And we don't know. We just don't know. So many of us have been blessed 
with long lives. So many of us have been blessed with second chances. I cannot tell you why. It is God's goodness, of course, and we need to trust God. And listen, we need to fight for life. It's a biblical principle. While we are on this earth, because of the corruption, because of death, because of sickness, we need to cling to God and trust and fight. But it doesn't mean that everybody's going to live to be 120. And yet, praise God, as we were worshiping today, I was just being reminded of, of the events this week and, and the comfort of God. Because for the believer, even though there is death for us, Death doesn't mean the end of existence. And, and as Christians, we don't live our lives trying to explain everything that happens. As Christians, we live a li- our lives based on promises, the promises of God. And we fight for life. We fight for healing. We fight for justice. We fight for equity. We fight for peace. Even though... All those things are lacking in the world, yet we fight for it. Why? Because Jesus taught us to pray, Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as long as we as believers are alive, we will fight for what is heavenly, for the values of the word of God. And many of us in this room are blessed. Many of you are here when you shouldn't be here. Many of you are healed when you shouldn't be healed. Many of you are doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing because of the goodness of the Lord. I am one of those people. As a toddler, I had polio. I'm not supposed to be walking like this. But the Lord reversed that in me. As a teenager, I had meningitis to the highest degree. Doctor told my parents, this boy is going to die. If he does not die, he's going to be a bit getuk. He's going to be a bit mentally affected. I didn't die. <laughs> And those who know me well reckon the doctors got it partially right. <laughs> After being married for 10 years and no kids, they discovered I had a tumor in my brain. That, in my brain. That's why I couldn't have kids. A growing tumor. And in the preparation for the surgery, the Lord healed me. No surgery needed. Every time you see Tanya here or Ruben at the back, they know this. They are miracles. Doctors told my wife and I, you're not going to have kids. Sorry. God turned things around. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just grateful, that's all. And I could go around the room and pick on some. JD is playing drums over here. Two years ago, we had an accident. He survived miraculously, but the doctor said, but sorry, no more, no more playing for you, no more music. No more guitar, no more drums. Get over it. Within months, he was tickling his guitar. And now he's back. He's still in recovery. But he's doing what doctor said you would not do. Amen, J.D.? He's a miracle as well on two legs. And I could go across the room, guys. Do and I have testimonies. So many of you, I'm looking to my brother over there. and uh, uh, So many of you guys. God does things and we don't know why. But God is real. We cannot give up. We cannot give up. But we need to understand that death is a certainty. It is appointed for men once to die, and after this, the judgment. You face God. You heard last week about people die, dying or going near death and having this life review. That is part of the judgment, going over your life, and God going through with you your life and pointing things he's pleased about and things he's not. For us as believers, that review will be for reward. It's not about heaven and, and hell. 
But for the unbelievers, it will be a review to show them why they need to go where they're going to go. It was their choice all along. And when you die, it is heaven or hell. There's no other place. There's no other alternative. There's no coming back to a second life, third life, and reincarnation until you're perfected. No, sorry. Appointment once to die. Jesus died once for all. He paid the price for all humanity. And if you trust him, you will not have to die the second death. Second death meaning being separated from God for eternity. When the Bible speaks about death, it's talking about separation. Hell is hell not because the devil is there, but because God is not there. And even on this planet, anywhere on planet earth where God's will is not done, where people are abusive, where there is no justice, where there is criminality, where there is abuse, that place is hell on earth. Why? Because God is not there. God is not being honored. Any place on this earth where there is justice, where there is love, where there is mercy, where the will of God is being done, that is a little bit of heaven on earth, man. And that's why Jesus said, Lord, it will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you and I are agents of heaven. We are supposed to be instruments of God wherever we can, as much as we can, to bring a little bit of heaven to earth by doing God's will and helping people around us to connect with God and experience his will. Hallelujah. But the fact is this. Death will exist until Jesus comes. Jesus came to conquer spiritual death, which is what causes everything. You see, it was, it was spiritual death that caused physical death. And Jesus came and died and, and connected us with God again that we could have eternal life. But until Jesus comes again, there will be physical death on this earth. We live in the now and not yet. The kingdom of God is here, and yet it is not completely here. The kingdom of God now is in our hearts. But when Jesus comes, he's going to establish his kingdom on the earth in its fullness. Remember, we've spoken about this. His first coming, he came as a gentle servant, as a suffering servant. When he comes back, he's coming back as the king of glory. Hallelujah. And he's coming to reign. And to bring justice and peace and equity. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, that the lost enemy that will be destroyed is death. So there will be a day when there will be no more death. Truth number three, eternity is a reality. Eternity is a reality. In other words, there is life after life. There is life after this life. And many still today deny the existence of life after death. Why? Because they think so. It's their opinion. They are intellectuals, you see. And they say, there is no God. If there was a God, why does this happen? And why does that happen? And this injustice and da 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 Not understanding the ways of God. Not understanding this present age. Not understanding that God has given this planet into the hands of man. And man has messed it up. We've messed up this planet so much, not only by sin and in terms of what to do to each other, but what to do to the planet and to nature because a lot of the natural catastrophes are taking place is because we've messed up with the, with the system, systems of the earth. Why blame God for what we are doing? Why are so many children dying in Africa when Africa has so much food? This world can produce enough food for... I forgot now the, 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 the last is the desert, but at least over 16 million, billion people 
can be fed out of the produce of this earth. At the moment, we are only at about 18 billion. Everybody, every single person on this earth should have more than enough food and provision. Why don't they have it? Because of corruption, because of greed. Because the system is flawed. Because human beings are interfering with the system. And we are killing one another. Don't come and blame God for what human beings are doing. The fact is, eternity is real. Eternity is real. The Bible makes it very clear that there is life after death. That when you are absent from our bodies, we are present with the Lord. There is an increasing number of documented evidence from people who died and were brought back to life. And who tell us that they felt more alive after this than when they were alive in their body. We heard some of those testimonies last week. If you're not here, go to our website or go to our Facebook page, actually. There's a link over there. You can go and watch that video. Uh, when I was a student, my wife and I and a bunch of other students went down to KwaZulu Natal to listen to the testimony of Lydia, a Zulu girl, uneducated, simple girl, teenage girl. She was dead for 20 minutes. She comes back and she tells us what, what she saw in heaven. And it was, we were mesmerized by, by what she was t- telling us. About the same time, uh, a doctor, medical doctor in America, fell from the first floor balcony, head first into a concrete floor, died. He came back to life as well. And now I'm listening to the testimony of a medical doctor, educated guy. He knew about science. He knew about the Bible. He knew about everything. And here's a young Zulu girl, uneducated, can't read, can't write, doesn't know much about the Bible, but she has an experience in heaven. And this educated man has experience in heaven. I listen to both their stories and they match. And they are in tune and in line with the word of God. Me and some of you know my own family, my grandfather, old man. He was from the 1800s, real old school, serious man. And as an old man, he died in surgery. And they kick-started him again. And when my uncle came to visit him, he told him, he was a Christian, he was a believer, but not a man given to emotions. He said, there was no emotional experience he had. He said, Louis, I was there. And my uncle knew exactly what he was talking about. He said, Louis, if I go there again, tell those doctors to leave me alone. You must leave me alone. My uncle told the doctors. Three days later, he went to cardiac arrest again and they let him go. No one that has seen a glimpse of heaven wants to come back to this planet. When Lydia came back in Kozulunatel, they, they had huts. They were living like huts, you know, with you know, thatched roof and so on. They had just painted all those huts, brand new, you know, whitewashed, painted, clean the first thing she said when she woke up and she, and she stood up in bed, she said, why is it so dark and why is this place so dirty? The sun was shining outside. The place is spotless and just being painted. She calls it dirty and dark. And you heard last week why. Because the brilliance, the light, the beauty of heaven, when you compare the best of the earth with, the, with heaven, it just doesn't match. And I've never heard a testimony of anyone who has a glimpse of heaven and wants to come back. Everyone says, why did I come back? One guy who was a surfer who had a glimpse of heaven as well and so but God said, you got to go back. He said, I don't want to go back. Lord. This is so nice. You got to go back. God, I don't want to go back. <laughs> but you had to come back. You see, we don't understand this, guys, because 
you know, all we've got is a book. But God has given us glimpses. Eternity is real. Eternity is real. As I say, we don't build our theology on these stories. We build our theology on the word of God. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.1, we know that if the earthly house of our tent, this body, is dissolved, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Hallelujah. Jesus spoke about the judgment. And he said those who were you know, for God would spend eternity with him. Those who are against God would be separated from God for eternity. You find it in Matthew chapter 25. John 14 says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many homes. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. Where? In heaven. In eternity. When did Jesus say this? He said this at the Last Supper. Just before he was taken up and suffered his death. He said, have you meal this? I'm going to prepare a place for you. When did he prepare the place for us? The very next day. He died on the cross. He paid the price for your sins and for my sins so that we could have a place in heaven. All we have to do is believe and receive. But our faith, our trust in Jesus, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to go and you know, do hard work or sacrifice yourself. Just believe in what Jesus has done. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I can, I can just imagine those Romans that were persecuting and trying to, to, you know, to, to get Paul to turn his back on Christianity. Come on, Paul. If you don't renounce Jesus, we're going to kill you. Oh, you're going to kill me. Yes, we're going to kill you. <laughs> he says, that's wonderful. For me to die is gain. If you kill me, you just give me quick access to Jesus. Oh, really? Yeah. So you think if you die, you're going to be okay with you? It's going to be okay with me. In that case, we're going to punish you. You're not going to kill you. We're not going to kill you. Oh, grace is full. For me to love is Christ. Hallelujah. If I'm alive, I'm going to serve Christ. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to do something for God. Oh, that is going to kill you. Oh, go ahead, kill me because then you're going to send me to heaven. No, we're not going to kill you then. What would you do with a guy like that? And Paul could say this because he knew the minute he closes his eyes on earth, he opens his eyes in heaven and he's in the Lord's presence. Because you see, you are not your body. This is just your shell. The real you is inside. You're your spiritual soul who never dies. When your body ceases to exist, you don't cease to exist. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you go straight to the presence of God. You enjoy his presence forever. Paul said, if we live, we live to God. If we die, we die to the Lord. If therefore we live or die, we are the Lord's. For this end, Christ died, rose, and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. When the Bible talks about dead, it's talking about the physically dead. Why would you want to be Lord of something that no, has no life? It's talking about he's Lord of those who are physically dead, who are alive in his presence. And he is Lord of those who are alive on earth, physically alive on earth right now. Is he your Lord? Because that is what determines where you're going to spend our eternity. But eternity, yes, there is. Hallelujah. It's a reality. And then finally, fourth truth. Today is all you have. Today is all you have. James says, hey, come now. 
Those of you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. In Portuguese, in a Portuguese language, we have a saying, se Deus quiser, God willing. And I know it's in English as well, but in Portuguese, it's part of our vocabulary. We, we say it even without thinking. See you tomorrow, God willing. You know? <laughs> I'll come over to you next year, God willing. And sometimes you don't, you don't even think about that, but that's actually really true because it's okay to make plans. Guys, it's okay, make plans. But some people think they're going to live forever. They make all these plans, and they never think that, hey, maybe I'm not going to be here for those plans. I need to be ready. Because today is all I have, really. Really, today is all I have. Nobody knows for sure if there will be a tomorrow. It's a truth we conveniently forget. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody's in a hurry to get there, have you noticed? And we don't even think too much about it. Because I'm just trying to think of my survival. How am I going to make ends meet, pay my bills, you know, bring my kids up, study, da, 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 da. and listen, it is okay to plan. Nothing wrong with that. The Bible teaches us to plan, to think ahead. But what is wrong is to put our minds only on that, to the exclusion of everything else. What is wrong is to be so anxious about tomorrow that you forget about today. To be so caught up with your future that you don't look around today. You're not present in the moment. To be so busy preparing for your future, working and studying and, and working and working and working that you've got no time for your family, for your friends, for God, for church, or for anything that matters. Jesus speaks the story of a guy in the Bible. He says, oh, I've got so much. I'm going to make bigger sellers and I'm going to make bigger storage. I'm going to tell my soul, ah, yes, enjoy, eat and drink because you've got so much. And God said, hey, you fool. Tonight they're going to ask you for your soul. What's going to happen to all the stuff you've got? Never once have I made a funeral where they've got a cart at the back where you take all the stuff that got built with him in his life. When you die, you go alone, man. You leave all the stuff behind. But you do leave memories. You do leave a legacy. What legacy is it? Are you thinking of others? Are you present today? Today is all you've got. The Bible says, as the Spirit says, today, if you'll hear His voice, don't harden your hearts. So the Lord is calling us. And if the Lord is calling today to give your life to Jesus, respond to that. But there is more. Is the Lord calling you to forgive? Is the Lord calling you to do something for someone else? Is the Lord calling you to pick up a phone and give a word of encouragement? To say something to somebody? To give a whatever? You see, we, we are so caught up in our stuff that we don't hear the voice of the Spirit leading us to touch people's lives today. As believers, we are supposed to be the hands of Jesus, the feet of Jesus, the mouth of Jesus, the arms of Jesus. But we can get so caught up in our own selfishness, in our own stuff, in our own plans, that we do not hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We shut Him out. And we miss out on serving God. We miss out on being a blessing to somebody. We miss out on bringing a word of encouragement. We miss out on maybe making a difference in somebody's life. We need to understand, guys, today is all that we truly have. Yes, make plans for tomorrow, but live today. 
So in closing, you're not prepared to live until you are prepared to die. Jesus conquered death so that we do not need to be afraid of death. So you have to prepare to die. Make sure the Lord, Jesus is Lord of your life. Make sure you're ready to meet him. But prepare your life as well here on this earth. I don't mean just spiritually. What about physically? You who are families and so forth, is your paperwork in place? Have you got a will? If you've got policies, do the people know where to find those policies? As I say, in over 35 years of ministry, I've seen families go through hell. Somebody dies, but they don't know where the policy is, the funeral policy, the insurance policy, and so on. And family goes through needs. They go through turmoil. They, they're infighting because there isn't a proper will in place. Who's this? Who takes that? And family fights with each other. Guys, get ready for death. At least once a year, my wife and I, we sit down. We go through our document. We've got a whole document. We've got our policies, our will, we go over our will, we make sure that our executor knows about the stuff, we update things, make sure our kids know. And so it, 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 oh, what a morbid, no, it's not a morbid conversation, it's a reality of life. You lay foundation for life, and if something happens, your family will be grateful because they know where this stuff is. And you're prepared to die. Not only do they know it, you've gone to be with Jesus. And by the way, it's so important to have a living faith because then when you die, your family knows you've got a living faith. Some people say, oh, I believe in Jesus, but they live like the devil. And then they die. And then the pastor is supposed to come and say nice things about them. Now, I believe in the grace of God, amen? But why not live an open life? Live your faith openly. Let people know, hey, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Have your stuff in order. Let your people know, your family know, that when you die, they know where to go and find the stuff. And everybody will be grateful to you. You're not prepared to live until you're prepared to die. Make sure today you put your life in order. Live life to the full. And you're supposed to have our lives to the full. But especially to younger people, or some older people as well. Live life to the full, but don't live your life like a fool. Some people say, oh, we're going to die anyway. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy life. I'm going to jaw, man. I'm going to jaw. And they get involved in sex and drinking and dangerous stuff and, you know, make a fool of themselves. And like I say, it's not just for young people. I, I heard of some guys and girls in middle life to do something similar as well. Be careful about that. Let's live our lives to the full. Yes, enjoy life. Get out there. Take some calculated risks. But things which bring joy, which bring you know, glory to God, which does something for somebody. It makes a difference in your life and others. Live your life to the full. When? today love and forgive and this is a biggie because it is so easy to get offended and to hold grudges it is so easy to decide uh, you know that you, you you're going to take revenge you're never going to talk to this person again you never I, I know pain is true pain is real but take your pain to jesus and ask him to give you the strength if jesus would treat us the way we treat each other sometimes ay 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 So let's learn from him. Let's pray for others, for our friends, our neighbors, and our enemies. I always says, love your enemies. What? But you see, everything that God asks you to do, he enables you to do. His love has been shed abroad in, our, in your heart, in my heart, Romans 5.5. 5. And so with his love, we can do that. It doesn't mean you've got to be buddy buddies with people you don't like. And it doesn't mean you're not going to allow justice to take its course. 
But it does mean you put boundaries around your emotions, around your heart, around your soul. It does mean you let go. You don't let that person live in you and drain you. It does mean you forgive. You leave them in God's hands and you pray the best for them. Agape love, the love that wants the best. Pray for them. God bless them. God bring them back to you. God change them. Love, that is the way of Jesus. And he wants to help us to live like that. And finally, make your world a better place. When? Tomorrow? No, today. Over the years, so many people have come to me and said, Pastor, you know, I'm busy with this project. And as soon as I hit so many hundred thousand rand, I want to give something to the church. As soon as I make this money, I'm going to do something for the poor. As soon as the pastor, just, just, just agree with me, please. As soon as I do this. And I said, but why don't you do something now? You've got, you've got a little bit that you can do something now. Make a, rather make a little difference now than wait until you make the big one to make a big difference. And you know why I say that? Two things. Either that big one never comes. Or when the big one comes, they say, wait, wait, pastor. I, I'm, I'm going to make a bigger one. I'm going to take this one. I'm going to make a bigger one. And, and nothing ever happens. Make a difference today. You've got a little bit. Use that. A little bit in the hands of Jesus does a lot, man. A little boy brings a couple of fish, a couple of bread. It's the little bit he had. He gives to Jesus. Jesus feeds thousands with it. Bring your little bit to Jesus. Some of you say, ah, oh, it's 200K, man. I can only give 20 bucks a month. Ah, it's, I'm not. Bring your 20 bucks. Jesus can multiply that. Plus, it's still going to bless you because you're giving it to him, not to me, not to the church. You never know what Jesus can do. And so, make a difference today. Look for somebody to bless. Let your life bring joy, bring encouragement, bring direction, even bring correction to others. Use your gifts and talents to serve others. Even in your work, in your professional life. Give it your best, your clients, to, to your colleagues, to your boss. It's easy for us to sit trading. Oh, yeah, you know, if he does this, that, that client, yeah, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give him a bit. Do your best. It'll bring you joy. You do it unto the Lord. The Bible says everything we do, we must do it unto God, not unto people. And watch the blessing of the joy coming upon our life. So remember these truths. Life is short. Death is a, a certainty. Eternity is a reality. And today is all that you have. Living a life that is committed to Christ while keeping these four truths in mind will guide you to grow in obedience to God, to grow in sanctification, in other words, becoming more and more like Jesus, to grow in serving others. And there is so much joy in serving others from, uh, you know, in, in, together with the Lord and to help you to be ready when your time comes. Not only will you know and be sure of your destination, but your loved ones will know it too. And it will make it easier for them to be comforted being sure of where you are. You will live a full life here on earth. And when it's all done, you will be welcomed in heaven and you will rejoice in the presence of God. And then you'll understand why the Bible says that the day of death on earth is better than the day of birth for those who trust in God. So I pray that you have a blessed and full week, that you leave this place and apply these truths, that you live this week thinking of this, being a blessing to others, allowing God to bless you and making sure your life is aligned with the will and the purposes of God. Amen? Amen? Let's stand up then. Let's pray together. And you guys are welcome to enjoy some coffee. I see there's some nice cakes over there.
cake sale today. I hope the cakes are still there. <laughs> Father God, I just thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your words that bring clarity to our lives. Even in the middle of, of confusion and turmoil in this world, your word brings clarity, Lord. Your word brings truth. Your word brings comfort. Your word brings direction. Your word brings instruction. I pray, Father, for every one of my brothers and sisters sitting here listening, those listening to this recording right now. Help each one of us to be doers of the word and not hearers only, Father. That these truths will impact our lives in a living way, Father. And that will be, like you said, Lord Jesus, that we will be lights in this world. Helping others to connect with you. Being instruments of your peace, of your joy, of your life for those around us. And so now may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon each one of us as we live our lives day by day, listening to his voice to the glory of God in Jesus' name. And all those who believe said, amen. amen. Have a wonderful Sunday and a blessed week. Amen.